Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we are in the Lord's house this morning. All who are able are invited to stand for the call to worship. From the words of the 100 Psalm, we'll be called to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us and we are His. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God.
God's word reminds us that once we were estranged and we were hostile in mind and we were doing what was wrong. And now Christ has reconciled us in his body through death to present us holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Therefore, we can confess our sins with confidence as well as with sorrow and restore our fellowship with God. Let us pray. Rescue us, O God, from sinking in the mire of pretension and guilt. Save us from the deadly grasp of unacknowledged sin. Keep us from presuming to judge others when we ourselves need more to be corrected. We confess now in silence the offenses we recall. Forgive, we pray, our sins of the flesh, which keep us from life in your spirit. We also have these words from God's word. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's, lo God's loving kindness to those who hold him in awe. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Can you all hear me now? There we go. Good morning, good morning. You all look so nice this morning. Who started school this week? Oh, tomorrow. Who starts tomorrow? Do you? Okay, so we're all getting ready. I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story about getting ready. As you all know, I have a lot of kids 
in my house. Four in my house all the time, five some of the time, and six even other times, so a lot of children, and they go to school. Well, my youngest son is Henry, and he is 13, and Henry is all about being prepared. He's been after me for about the last two months. Hey, Mom, don't forget we need to get school supplies. Hey, Mom, every time we go to the store, Mom, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And I'm like, Henry, I know, I know you need school supplies, I know. So we're shopping the next, the next time we're at Walmart, and he'll go, Hey, Mom, can we get our school supplies? Don't forget, we need to get our school supplies. Remember, school's coming, don't forget. Yes, Henry, I know, but I'm busy right now. I don't have time, I'm busy. I've got to get home, I've got to cook dinner, I've got a lot going on. Every time, Mom, 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 you got to get ready, you got to get ready. So I'm like, Henry, I get it. I'll promise I'll get you your supplies. Are your moms like that? No, they're prepared. <sighs> well, this mom waited until the last minute. They started on Wednesday morning. I was at Target Tuesday night and everything was gone and there were a million people there and it was a mess and it was just so much more difficult. If I had been a little more prepared, things would have been a lot easier for me, right? Yes, it's important. I should have listened to Henry. I shouldn't have said I was too busy. I should have done what I needed to do to get, it, get ready. And yes, they did have their supplies. I was able to do it. But I should have been a little more prepared. And the same is true about God. He keeps telling us, be prepared, be ready, right? But we're too busy. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to read my Bible today. I have baseball practice or soccer practice or dance or cheerleading. I don't have time to read my Bible. Oh, I don't have time to pray today. I just don't have the time. Is that what we do sometimes? We forget the importance of being prepared for God's kingdom? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you guys a story when we get upstairs about some silly girls who were waiting to get ready to get married, and they weren't quite prepared yet. So we're going to learn about that. It's very important for us to be prepared by what? What do we do to prepare for God's kingdom? What's something we can do? What? Be glad. What are some things we can do day to day? Read the Bible. What else? What about you, Boone? Pray. That's a really important one. You know, guys, God listens to all your prayers, even the teeniest, tiniest ones. It doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. It can be, oh, I can't find my lunchbox, or I don't know what happened to my homework. Can you help me, Lord, to remember where I put it? Don't ever hesitate to pray to the Lord, okay? So we're going to go up to Children's Chapel and talk about this a little bit more. And I have a really neat present up there for you. Okay, we're going to talk about that too. Let us go to the Lord in prayer now to get ready to prepare for our lesson, okay? Everybody bow your heads, put your hands together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for these wonderful children and their families who have come to church today, and for all of our church families. Lord Jesus, I ask that you will continue to bless us and watch over us and help us to be prepared for your kingdom in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, who's going to be my doorstopper?
Our first lesson today comes from 1 Thessalonians, in the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 13. Listen now to the Word of God. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others, as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson. From the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we continue in our sermon series for this summer, Kingdom Come. And we have been and will today look at Jesus' teachings, his parables on the character of the kingdom and our part in it. These last parables of Jesus are preached in the last week of his life, we can almost sense the shadow of the cross across his 
pathway as he speaks to his disciples and to us. He is speaking about his return. Yes, he will leave, but he will return and speaks to his disciples about faithful living in the meantime. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went out to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. What are you waiting for? Is there anything in your life that you are anticipating? Is there anything in your life that you are yearning to see, like the birth of your first grandchild? What are you longing to come to pass? My house recently, it has been getting the driver's license. What are you praying will happen, become reality? Is it for the doctor to say, cancer-free, you are healed? What is it that you want so deeply that you are able to say, I can almost taste it. My mind went back as I was thinking about these questions to 1979 when I was a senior in high school and Carly Simon had already made her song a popular hit. You know the one, You're So Vain. No, that's not the one. <laughs> Anticipation. And Heinz Ketchup seized upon it, and they created a commercial that became viral, although they didn't call it that back then. But you may, if you're old enough, remember the commercial. There's the family sitting around the table, or the two kids are having a conversation, and they're talking about how one's mom buys the right kind of ketchup, and it's worth the wait. And in the background, Carly Simon is singing, Anticipation, anticipation is making me wait. It's keeping me waiting. Now they booed me at 8.45 when I tried to do that. 
And then the ketchup comes out and they eat their hamburger and all is great and happy with the world and Heinz is worth waiting for. What are you waiting for, hoping for, praying for, preparing for? Could it be Jesus' return? Or have we lost our appetite for waiting? Have we lost our ability to experience delayed gratification? The truth is there is so little for which we must wait these days. Most everything that we desire in life is coming to us, is given to us, demanded by us, or taken by us earlier and faster than ever. This truth hit me between the eyes when I went from the 845 worship service into the fellowship hall for the Ignite service. At 845, as we did at 11 o'clock this morning, we read from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, in, in which it is translated, Jesus told a parable about ten bridesmaids. In the fellowship hall, they read from the New International Version, the NIV, and Jesus, in that translation, tells a parable about ten virgins. Have we lost that language, that term, in our society of immediacy where most everything that we desire in life is coming to us, given to us, demanded by us, or taken by us earlier and faster than ever? I think it might even be able... Well, did, I, did that point go over your heads? Is waiting for marriage not something that we do anymore? That's my point. I believe that we're living in a day and a time where it's not just movies on demand. It's life on demand. And when I demand it. So I got on YouTube. So I can get anything I want, anytime I want it from YouTube. And so I wanted to look up that commercial that I told you about with Carly Simon and the, little, you know, the leisure suits and the 1979 version. And I found, because I had forgotten, that Heinz did a blast from the past and they redid the commercial in 2007 but in this commercial it's the same hamburger but it's a different bottle of ketchup and the same looking small hand grabs the ketchup bottle and it's poised over the hamburger while Carly Simon is singing anticipation and the music stops and the squeeze bottle is deployed. We don't even have to wait for our catch-up anymore. What are you waiting for? And how is it that we are called to be in a time of waiting? The disciples in the early church had been told by Jesus that he would return. They thought it would be soon and very soon that Jesus would be coming back. It was imminent. In any, any day, any hour, the heavens would split open and the glory of the Lord would be revealed and the sound of the trumpet would be heard and the dead in Christ would rise first. And we who were left 
the return of the Lord would be raised up with them and we would meet the Lord in the air and they thought that it would happen at any moment. They were expectant. They were focused. They were ready for a time. The longer the delay of Jesus' second coming, however, the less expectant, the less focused, the less less ready they were. We are. The last prayer in the Bible, almost the last words in the Bible, are these, the prayer of the early church. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. When was the last time you prayed, Come, Jesus. Come back, Lord Jesus. It's a constant admonition on the lips of Jesus and the writers of the New Testament to stay awake. Keep ready. Be prepared. Are we? Or has it just been too long? Or are we too rich and too self-satisfied to care or be concerned with Jesus' return? Are we too poor to care? Too old to care? Too young? Too sick? Are we too busy, bored, or tired to care that there will be a second coming? Charlie Kowser, a former professor at Columbia Seminary, a New Testament professor, He says about this topic of Jesus' second coming that it's not very popular for preachers and particularly in mainline Protestant denominations. We just would rather avoid or not deal with this topic of Jesus' return because in our our world, this thought, this this idea, this, this future act of Jesus' return has become this bizarre, apocalyptic thing with all of this imagery that is somehow frightening and this fanatical obsession with Jesus' return and trying to figure it out in all sorts of numerical and other kind of ways and we don't want to be identified with those who are seemingly possessed with the return of Jesus because Scripture even tells us that we don't know when that's going to happen. Not even the Son of Man Himself knows the day nor the hour. And so please don't associate us with Harold Camping and trying to nail it down to a day and a time and a year. So more sensible Christians, more thoughtful Christians, just avoid it altogether. But in so doing, however, we miss, as Charles Kowser says, a critical dimension of our New Testament theology. And we omit the primary event toward which the early church, early Christians, aimed their hope. It is what they focused on, lived for, hoped for, desired to see and to celebrate. The parable that Jesus tells here in the last week of His life part of his last block of teaching in the Gospel of Matthew speaks of his return and of his delayed return and calls for the proper posture of his followers 
during that time of waiting for the risen and returning Lord. He tells the parable of the five wise bridesmaids and the five foolish bridesmaids. Jesus urges a quality of life to be lived in anticipation of His return. And we need to live in, in this anticipation, a healthy anticipation of Christ's return to, to reclaim this central fact, this central piece of our faith, of our walk with our Lord. But this parable that Jesus tells His disciples that we look at this morning is, when it's seen through our Western eyes, it's, it's rather peculiar because it doesn't fit with our experience. Because all of us know who have had anything at all to do with a wedding, it's absurd that people would be waiting around for something to happen. For particularly the bridegroom. If anybody's going to be waiting, it's the bridegroom waiting on the bride. Because we know the time and the money and the planning and all of the tears that go into getting it just right. And we know when the prelude is going to start. We know when it's going to end. We know when the grandparents are going to be sat, when the, when the mothers are going, are going to be seated. We, we know when the wedding party is going to process in. We have it all buttoned up and nailed down. And so this idea of this waiting for the bridegroom does not match with our Western sensibilities. It's been said that this idea of bridesmaids having extra oil with their lamps would be likened to the bridesmaids parading down the aisle with their arrangement in one hand and a watering can in the other so that they're prepared. But the truth is, the parable that Jesus tells us happened and still happens today in Palestine. In the village where the wedding was taking place, the whole town tur turned out for this great occasion. And as the, 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 the bride and the bridegroom would parade through the town, they would take the longest route possible, the most circuitous route to their new home so that more and more people could come and join the parade. It said that everyone six to sixty followed the marriage drum and rabbis would cease their studies to share in the joy. And the honeymoon of the couple was not in Bermuda or the Bahamas, but it was at their home. And the young couple would spend the first week of their life in their, in their home. And they were addressed as a prince and a princess. Their chosen friends were admitted to this week-long celebration. And it was a ceremonious, joyous festivity, the party to end all parties. And it is this gathering, this week-long extravaganza that the foolish bridesmaids missed out on. In William Barclay's commentary on this text, he, he uh, recounts another biblical scholar's first-hand experience with this Palestinian wedding in the small village. And he says this, When we were approaching the gates of a Galilean town, I caught sight of ten maidens 
gaily clad and playing some kind of musical instrument as they danced along the road in front of our car. And when I asked what they were doing, our guide told me that they were going to keep the bride company until the bridegroom arrived. I asked him if there was any, any chance of seeing the wedding, but he shook his head saying in effect, it, it might be tonight, it might be tomorrow, it might be a fortnight's time, nobody ever knows for certain. And then he went on to explain that one of the great things that to do, if you could, at a middle-class wedding in Palestine was to catch the bridal party napping. And so the bridegroom comes unexpectedly, and sometimes in the middle of the night. It's true that he is required by public opinion to send a man along the street to shout, Behold, the bridegroom is coming! But that may happen at any time, so the bridal party have to be ready to go out into the street at any time to meet him, whenever he chooses to come. Other important points are that no one is allowed on the streets after dark without a lighted lamp. And also that when the bridegroom has once arrived and the door has been shut, latecomers to the ceremony are not admitted. There are many truths that we can glean from this parable, but there are two that I wish to lift up for us as we are in that period of waiting and admonished to stay awake and to be prepared. And let me say this, in the parable you notice that both the five foolish and five wise maidens fell asleep. I don't think we're being called to be uber scouts and, and, and never go to bed and live on caffeine, no. But to be prepared and aware, maybe in another way. The first truth that I lift up here is that there are things which cannot be obtained at the last minute. I think this parable says this very clearly to us. There are things which cannot be obtained at the last minute. There is indeed a time in our lives when it is too late. Too late to study for the exam. Too late to develop character. Too late to learn a skill when an opportunity arrives. The door's locked. It's too late. Will Willimon, the former dean of the chapel at Duke Divinity School, and I believe now a retired bishop in the Methodist Church over in Alabama, he tells this story from early in his ministerial career when he was serving a smaller rural church and one of his officers had a death in his family. This officer's uncle died and Williman was invited to go to the funeral and so with his wife they journeyed down back rural roads and found an off-brand church in the woods and attended the funeral there and they brought the body in and the preacher climbed into the pulpit and began to preach and said Joe is dead. It's too late for Joe. He may have wanted to be a good man, but it's over. He may have wanted to do this and that in his life, but it's not possible. 
is too late for him. And Williman was sitting there thinking to himself, this is horrible. This may be one of the worst things I've ever heard. I can't imagine how the family feels. And then the pastor went on and said, but it's not too late for you. Today is a day of salvation. Give your life to Jesus. The funeral was over and Williman was riding home with his wife and they engaged in a conversation and Williman was sharing his thoughts and feelings about what had transpired. And he, and he was saying, I would never preach a sermon like that. Can you imagine how the family felt? His wife listened and she said, yes, it was manipulative. It was cold. It was calloused. But then she said, and of course... The worst thing of all is that what he said was true. There are things in life which cannot be obtained at the last minute. There is a time when the door is closed, the party has begun, and there is no admittance. The second truth that is lifted up here is that this parable is saying to us that there are those things in life which cannot be borrowed. The foolish bridesmaids needed oil for their lamps when they heard the call, the bridegroom is here, come out to meet him. They, they tried to light their lamps and they realized that they, that, that they would not be trimmed, they were out of oil. And so they sought to borrow oil from those who had brought an extra flask with them. But those bridesmaids needed to use that oil for their own lamps. It's like if you go camping and you forget to take extra batteries for your flashlight. And the flashlight has burned out for one person and they put their new batteries in and the other person has no extra batteries. And you can't take one battery and make a two-battery flashlight work. You've got two flashlights that are no good. This is what Jesus is saying. You cannot borrow some things in life. We cannot borrow a relationship with Jesus Christ. It must be our own. No matter how good your father was, no matter how good your mother was, and faithful, and loyal, and committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, we can't ride our father's coattails. We cannot depend on our mother's apron strings. There are no coattails long enough. There are no apron strings strong enough. There are things in life that cannot be borrowed. The relationship with Jesus Christ must be our own. We must be, must be clothed in His righteousness and the garment that He gives to us must be true in our living relationship with our loving Lord. No, we do not know when Jesus is coming back, but we are called to be ready and to be prepared in the meantime. We are to even anticipate His return. 
And when we are living a quality of life that has about it an anticipation, we then live a quality of life that is prepared. When you anticipate something, you prepare for something. And when you prepare for something, you are ready for it. Ready for the return of our Lord. And being ready means doing the Father's will in the meantime. He has come and He is coming. And being prepared means seizing the day. It means loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. It means that we do not live passively. It means that we do not speculate in response to a life to which we are called to be engaged it means living in sweet anticipation. It means seizing the day and praying without ceasing and feeding daily on God's Word. Even the children know this. It means to be equipped for the long haul, to live in anticipation, it gives us faithful engagement for the present. Yes, we hope for the future, but anticipating gives us engagement with life as we encounter it. When Jesus calls us to keep watch, it means that we take the reality of God so seriously and come to terms with it in, that, that a sudden appearance and anticipating the manifestation of the kingdom of God in our midst in the daily activities in which we find ourselves becomes a reality that we see with eyes of faith and enjoy with hearts of humility and love in anticipation of that day when Jesus will come in all of His, his unbounded fullness and glory. And Jesus said... There were ten bridesmaids, five were foolish, five were wise. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, wherever we find ourselves, may we be found by you. And some of us have grown tired and cynical and bored and self-satisfied. Some of us are yearning and hoping. And Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. And we would ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to wake us up and to fill us up with an anticipation for your kingdom here and now as we anticipate your kingdom to come in all of its fullness. And may your will and your way be done in our lives and in your world to the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and say what it is we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we come before you today humbled by the brokenness of our world, and yet we are in awe at your power to bind up wounds, to conquer fears, to restore hope. We pray for your presence in the midst of our lives. Lord, in our bodies we see both the weakness and the possibility of what it means to be human. We pray for the sick and the infirm, and for those who have suffered injury and disability in the acts of war. We pray that you would strengthen weak hands and make firm feeble knees. Open our eyes and our ears to the world around us. Lord, in our minds we have created fears and mischaracterizations that separate us one from another. We pray for those who are trapped by bad habits and harmful addictions, anxiety and depression, or memories of the past. Where our minds have trapped us and we do not see the truth, Lord, set us free. Help us truly to pray for our enemies as Jesus Christ taught us, and help us humbly to pray for ourselves that we might become whom you call us to be. Lord, in our hearts and our souls, we know there is a need for hope that you can provide. Save us from our hopelessness and help us to see your vision for life in this world. We pray for the children and youth in our church and community as they return to school. May they grow and thrive. Bless their parents and this church family who guide them. May these new lives be signs to all of us of the new life that is possible for all. Make us the children of your church, those who, bears of, those who are bearers of a dream and carriers of light into the world. We pray this all in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We'd like to welcome you to worship this morning, whether you are here in the sanctuary at Spring Harbor or joining us via television or online. I'd like to ask those who are in the sanctuary to sign the, the attendance pads that are located at the end of your aisle and pass those to those seated next to you. And while you're doing that, I'd like to highlight a few of the announcements. This fall, our church will be working through the story. It is a curriculum that sets out the scriptures into 31 chapters and will be progressing through this throughout the year. Uh, we invite you to purchase a copy of the story that the books are now available in the gathering hall. And additionally, we invite you to fill out this form here that's in your bulletin this morning. You can do it here, or there's a little QR code that you can scan with your phone. Aren't we getting a little fancy around here? There's also a link on our website as well where you can fill out the form. Uh, just help us to gauge what ways you're going to be engaged in this story throughout the fall. One other announcement is that we begin hosting the Valley Interfaith Promise, the VIP program at our church next week. And we're looking for volunteers to help host these families, and our church is a great ministry. You can sign up in the church office. There's more details on our website and in the church office in the bulletin as well. There are many more announcements and events that are happening in our bulletin, and you can find them also on our website at columbusfpc.org. 
Let us now continue to worship God with the presentation of our tithes and our offerings. Gracious God, today we remember our blessings and we give thanks that we have these gifts to give. As we give thanks for what you give to us, we pray that through our generosity, others may experience your healing presence, your sustaining power, your protection, your love, your peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Stay awake. Be ready. While you wait, stand on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. For the bridegroom has come and is coming. So go out into the world with fresh eyes of faith to see Him and to share Him. Go in peace and in joy. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of His face to shine upon you and give you peace in all God's children. Peace today and forevermore. Amen.